in a situation, I know that you have been. Here's the kind of situation that I, I want you to imagine in your mind. You, you see something happen, or maybe you hear someone say something and you think, wow, that doesn't even make sense. I'm, I'm not sure that that person is very bright having said or done that. Or, or, or maybe you're watching the news and you hear some decision being handed down by governmental authorities, or you hear some statement of policy being expressed, uh, and you say, wow, that, I'm not sure that person has a lot of brain power. That doesn't even make sense what they just said. It could be anybody. It could be a, a school official, uh, or it could be a clerk at a store, or, or very often just a fellow driver on the highway. You say, what's wrong with that guy? Why isn't he using his head? Why isn't he thinking? That was, that was a silly thing to do or say. I know that we all have had plenty of situations like that. I want to talk about one, though, uh, that is more serious than all others. Very often in religious matters, people will say and do things that don't even make sense. The book of Proverbs writes about a lot of times uh, describing things that foolish people do. Uh, and, there, and there's no more area wherein it is more serious to not be thinking right and not be doing right than, of course, in our spiritual service to God. We want to look at one of the statements made in the book of Proverbs about someone who is foolish. In Proverbs 14, verse 9, it says, fools mock at sin. And we want to, we want to key in on that expression. And again, this is the idea... People not using their head, they're not thinking. Maybe they don't have, have the good sense that they ought to have. If they're going to mock at sin, fools mock at sin, Proverbs 14, verse 9 says. And we want to realize that that still happens in our world today and the dangers of it. We stop here just briefly to thank you for being here on this Lord's Day. We've got a beautiful Lord's Day in Middle Tennessee. And we are blessed to be able to come together to worship God and offer Him our honor, glory, and praise. We pray that He will be pleased and honored by all that we do today. We think that we accomplish that when we worship Him in the way that He taught and instructed in the inspired Word. And that's what we're trying to do here at College View. We're trying to just follow Bible authority, book, chapter, and verse, thus saith the Lord, for all we do and practice. If you have any question about what we're doing or why we're doing it in a particular way, please bring that to our attention and we'll try to answer it from the Bible. Thanks for being here. We especially thank our visitors for being here. We hope you'll come back just every time you have a chance to do so. Fools mock at sin. It's a foolish thing to mock at sin. Let's start out by just pointing out what I think should be obvious to us, that sin is no laughing matter. Actually, sin by definition is a violation of God's law. We, we violate God's law when we either do what He prohibits us to do, or when we don't do what He requires us to do, we violate His law. If, we, if we're smart enough, we, we should recognize that God has provided for us a perfect law, a perfect guide for our lives. God didn't just make the law arbitrarily. He didn't do it just to suit His own fancies. He didn't do it just to see if He could make it hard on us. God designed His law for our well-being. 
Actually, the law of a God is a sign that he loves us and he wants what's best for us. And we are wise uh, if we follow that law. It's designed for our good. But when we foolishly choose to violate his law, we sin. First John chapter 3, verse 4 actually defines sin. Whosoever committeth sin transgresses also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. That's what it is. We're foolish when we transgress the law. It's always foolish to transgress the law of God because, by definition, we're working against our own best interest when we do so. Sin separates us from God. This is the real problem, of course, because it causes this alienation between us and God. In the text that Josh read for us just a few moments ago from Isaiah 59, you know it well. Isaiah 59, verse 1, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot hear, neither is ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Notice, this separation takes place because of sin. All of us, at various times in our lives, have known the sadness of falling out, having a division or an alienation with someone else. And it's never a good thing. It's never a pleasant thing. It's always hurtful. This is the worst, though, of course. This is the worst case of all, having a division, an alienation, a separation from God in heaven. But that's what sin does. And if you, I mean, if we would just dwell upon that notion, if we'd just spend time considering that, sin causes a separation between us and the God who loves us so much. Of course, the bottom line is that an eternity in hell is caused by sin. Sins that are left unaddressed ultimately lead to eternal death. In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Notice, the wages of sin is death. I think it's, in, I think it's interesting that that word is used there, wages of sin. What, what are wages anyway? Well, wages are what you earn. It's what you deserve. So on the job, you put in your hours this week, and when payday rolls around, you expect to receive what you earned. Your employer is not just giving you a, a gracious gift when he pays you on payday. He's paying you for what you earned, right? It's your wages. You earned that for what you did. Well, that's okay on the job. But when it comes to sin, when we get what we deserve is not a pleasant thing. The wages of sin is death. And so that's where sin leads. That's why it's such a serious matter, because it leads to eternal death. Now, we have the option. We're not concentrating on this in our lesson right now. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we don't have to go that route. And we can come back from having sinned, all of sin and fall short of the grace of God. Romans 3.23, and the wages of those sins is death. And that's what we need to understand. And so I just really want to emphasize what, I, what hopefully is, should be obvious to us, that sin is not a laughing matter. Now, what about mocking sin? How does that happen? Well, to mock something is to treat something with con, uh, contempt or ridicule. You mock something when you make fun of it. Surely... We understand that only a foolish person would make light of that which makes this life miserable 
and leads to an eternity in hell, only a foolish person would think to make fun of, to ridicule or or treat with contempt that which has such terrible consequences. And yet, sadly, it's all too common. Fools mock at sin. And sad to say, there are plenty of people who do that very foolish thing of mocking at sin. Let, Let us suggest some of the ways that men mock at sin. First of all, when we simply joke about it. I think that might be the most obvious. That we mock at sin when we make light of it, when we joke about it. Uh, if you if you ever pay any attention to any contemporary comedians, and I, I imagine that most of you do not as I do not, because most of, of whatever they say is horrible and ungodly and wicked, but comedians joke about things like drunkenness and drug use, about fornication, uh, about divorce, uh, all kinds of immorality are the common themes of comedians. And, of course, you could add that they also will throw in an awful lot of profanity in the course of talking about those horrible things. So they make light of sin. They joke about it. And people laugh about it. Laughing, Joking about and laughing about sin is a demonstration that... Men don't think it is all that terribly serious. It's actually a denial of the seriousness of sin when we joke about it and when we laugh about it. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 4, it says, Let there be no filthiness nor foolish talk or crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. i tell you, there's an awful lot of crude joking that takes place in our world. Uh, and sadly... Too many people engage in it as they mock at sin, as they joke about it. Let that not be the case for us. I, you know, we need to be on guard against that kind of foolish talking. We mock at sin when we minimize it. Um, I know that you can relate to what I'm about to describe. That is the idea of categorizing sin. You know, some sins are terrible, awful. Others are, uh, they're little, they're not so bad. Uh, typically, the sin that I commit are little sins. Isn't that the way we look at it? Now, the sins of the other guy, that's pretty serious business. He's, he's engaged in some really awful stuff. So he's, he's, he's committing the big bag of sins, but I'm just committing the little, less significant, not so awful sins. And so what I'm doing when I offer that kind of categorization of sin is I'm trying to minimize what I'm doing. It's not all really that terribly bad. Well, look at a catalog of sins in the inspired word. In Romans chapter 1, beginning verse 29, we remember here that the Apostle Paul is describing the pagan Gentile world. And he says they do such things as these. He says they're filled with all manner of unrighteousness. Evil, covetousness, malice, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. That sounds really bad, doesn't it? When you look at that catalog of sins, I mean, there's murder in that list. Yeah, obviously, murder is horrible. And maybe even worse, he describes haters of God. Well, if you hate God, everything else just falls right in line. You'll do anything else right if you're a hater of God. There's just a, this is just a list of big, bad, horrible sins. 
And there it is, disobedient to parents. Are you kidding me? Disobedient to parents belongs in the same list as murder and haters of God? Yeah, it does. It does, by God's estimation. Not by ours, but our estimation is not what matters. It's how God estimates these things. And God says that something is in our mind, as simple or minor as being disobedient to parents, belongs in that same list. Now, we only mention that here to simply stress that there are no big and little sins. God sees them all as serious. All are serious. And none of them should be minimized. And so I, I should not be so foolish as to mock at the sins I commit and say, well, these are little deep. This is little stuff. This is not a big deal. And God doesn't really care. If I do that, if you do that, we are mocking at sin, and that is a foolish thing to do. Let me suggest to you that we mock at sin when we tolerate sin. Society mocks at sin by tolerating it. The society that we live in mocks at sin. If you've been paying any attention to the news in the last week or so, there's been a tremendous amount of news about homosexuality, about the homosexual agenda, and about the incredible inroads that that agenda is making into our world, into our immediate world. Uh, They're teaching perverted, awful things, even to the youngest of children in public schools. It's, it's, It's just frightening. It's tremendously scary, but we live in a society that tolerates, that even promotes that sort of thing. Does that, is, does that scare you to think about the fact that the, the world we immediately live in is tolerating this and promoting it? That's to mock at sin, wouldn't you agree? Or what about abortion? Uh, our society tolerates abortion, allows it. And even, again, promotes it. Did you see in the news just within the last week or so where a couple of states now are, are working on legislation that will allow for you to kill a baby even up to two months after it was born? So it's not just aborting the baby in the womb. Now you can wait till a couple of months after the baby was born if you don't like to kill it. What kind of world is it that we're living in? that tolerates that sort of thing. i got to tell you, the people who are promoting it, they're just, off, they're just off the chart, evil, wicked, immoral people. But what about a world that tolerates that? We live in a world that mocks at sin. Wouldn't you agree? But let's bring it a little closer to home. I think too often we tolerate sin as, in, as individuals. For instance, I tolerate my own sins, maybe. Maybe I know that I've got this really bad thing going on in my life. There's, there's this thing that, that I've just started doing, and I do it compulsively. But again, to our previous point, I don't really think it's all that serious. It's a little thing. And I sort of tolerate that sort of thing in my own. If I tolerate it in myself, whatever it is, if I tolerate that, I'm mocking at sin. I'm belittling sin. I'm saying it's not all that big a deal. I'm ridiculing sin. What about tolerating sin in our loved ones? I'm I'm sad to say that too many Christians do this sort of thing. Uh, So this, this person who's engaged in this, 
terrible thing is actually a close family relative. And you just don't want to, you just don't want to, you know, harm family relationships, so you look the other way. Parents look the other way when their children are engaged in all forms of immorality. Grandparents look the other way and even accommodate their children and grand uh, and grandchildren in in engaging in sinful activity. We tolerate it in our families because we have some sort of misguided love for these people. We're mocking at sin when we tolerate sin. What about in the church? Do we tolerate sin in the church? We've got brother, a brother or sister who's engaged in immoral things, wicked, sinful things, being unfaithful to the Lord in various ways, and yet we just look the other way. We tolerate it. I'll tell you, whenever we tolerate sin, at whatever level it occurs, we are mocking at sin and we are belittling it. They did this sort of thing in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning verse 1, Paul says, It's actually reported that there is immorality among you, and immorality of such a kind as does not exist even among the Gentiles, that someone has his father's wife. You have become arrogant, have not mourned instead, so that the one who had done this deed would be removed from your midst. The church at Corinth was tolerating this sinful brother. They weren't doing anything about it. And Paul condemns them for that. You know, I think it's easy for us to stand back here and say, yeah, boy, those people at Corinth, that was, that was really bad on their part. They were certainly foolish to tolerate that situation where they had that immoral brother in their midst. What a foolish thing for them to do. What about us? Are we, are we doing better? Are we taking care of such things as the way God describes? Or are we tolerating sin? At whatever level we tolerate sin, we are mocking at it. Let me suggest to you that we are mocking at sin when we make excuses for it. I believe that we're just really, really good at excuse making. Uh, we learn it pretty early in life and, we, and we, we perfect the process as we grow older. We're really good excuse makers. And so when it comes to sin, we can excuse it pretty quickly. Someone says, yes, uh, I sinned, but if you just knew my circumstances, if you knew what I was dealing with, you would fully understand why I did what I did under the circumstances that I was dealing with. And so the person excuses their sin. You know, I think we even try to do this with God. I think that we even try to tell him our excuses and why we are not doing right while we're sinning. We're excusing it and thus minimizing it, tolerating it, joking about it, mocking it. We know that no excuses will work with God. And we know that because of this familiar promise in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Well, God, now let me, let me tell you, God, I was dealing with something that was just too much for me. I, I just couldn't take it. God says, no, no, that's not right. God says, I can't offer that excuse because he promised me he wouldn't let me be tempted above my belly. Well, I just couldn't, I couldn't help myself. Yes, you can help yourself. 
Well, if you only knew what was going on. Yeah, it doesn't matter what was going on. God won't allow you to be tempted above your ability to resist. Therefore, the fact that you didn't resist and sin indicates your failure, not his. There's no excusing it. You could have stopped. You could have avoided it. No excuse works with God because he promised he wouldn't let us be tempted above our ability to resist. And so it's a really foolish thing to make excuses for sin. It's a form of mocking sin and its seriousness. Finally, let me suggest to you that we mock at sin when we refuse to correct it. We saw Cindy and I were out yesterday evening and we drove by a house. We actually saw this house. People still live it in the house, but the roof on the side of the roof, it was all rotted and decayed. Actually, boards were falling off uh, the overhang of the roof. It was, it was, it was a sorry-looking sight, and people were still living in the house. I mean, it wasn't an abandoned house or anything like that. But they'd let their roof go. And they'd let, it, they'd let a serious leak continue so long that now the roof was just caving in. And, and when you see that, you think, how foolish. How foolish to let a, a leak in your roof continue until it begins to do that kind of damage. Why didn't you stop it immediately and fix the leak so that bad didn't go to worse? That was a foolish thing, right? I think we would all say that, 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 that person pretty foolish not to take care of their business in that regard. Well, I want to tell you that that same concept applies to what we're talking about here this morning. Sin destroys our lives. How foolish it is of us to allow it to continue and to fail to repent. We are mocking at sin when we refuse to correct the sins that happen in our lives. You, you remember this well-known statement of the Lord in Revelation chapter 3, speaking to the church at Laodicea. The Lord said unto the church, angel of the church at Laodicea, write, Thou art neither cold nor hot, I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. That's what they needed to do, and they hadn't done it yet. You, you have to agree with me that this church at Laodicea, they were in a bad shape. They were really in a really bad shape, but they refused to acknowledge it. Uh, they even were very busy in the act of deceiving themselves into thinking that they were okay. Bottom line is that they were not dealing with their sins, they weren't correcting their sins, and they weren't repenting of their sins. The Lord called upon them to repent or else. What about us? Are we mocking at sin when we refuse to correct the sins in our lives? Several ways there. We, we talked about the fact that sin is not a laughing matter, and there's several ways when, wherein we can be guilty of mocking at sin we need to be on guard against all of them. What about you? Are you seriously dealing with sin in your life? Or are you ref making all kinds of excuses and refusing to correct it? Sin is not a laughing matter. And we need to be vigilant in dealing with it. Have you dealt with sin? And you're like, oh, 
All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3, verse 23. We understand that. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, His Son. Romans 3, 23. Romans 6, 23. So we've got a problem of sin. We all have that problem of sin. How we deal with it, though, tells us whether we're foolish or wise. Will you be wise in dealing with sin? Meet God's conditions for pardon. Those conditions are easily and simply set forth in the Scriptures. If you're not a Christian, it means upon hearing the truth and believing it, you repent of your sins, you confess your faith in Jesus, baptized for the remission of sins. If you've not done that, we hope you'll make that decision. If you're a Christian already, though, and have sinned, and that happens, but you have to be wise to deal with sin whenever it comes into your life. If you're a Christian who's fallen to sin, you need to come back to the Lord in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing.